Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Can I just say, I just say something? Both you and Carl, in your confessionals, said the reason that she thinks we're moving too fast, the reason she's jealous of our relationship, or whatever words you chose, was because of her relationship with Robert. Could you it both be said that. From the no, truth? I, I, I but hold on for one second. Said that. So I genuinely was like, because I didn't see the red flags with her and Robert last summer, but I genuinely was curious. So I called up Robert because we were actually talking business. Oh, shit. I called up Robert and I'm like, cool, cool. Can yeah. I just ask a question? And I asked, how were you and Danielle last summer? He said, we were fine. I mean, we were going through the general speed bumps of any couple, but. Whatever was happening last summer between the, the three amigos had nothing to do with my relationship with Danielle. Okay. And I think that you guys need to know that because both of you chalked it up as a huge so part of... Well, he met up with Robert and had a conversation. I, I did, I, he said a similar thing. I actually saw him recently. Um, he reached out to me and, you know, he wanted to talk about the end of the summer and how it all f- fell out. He felt really bad. Obviously, I feel bad. And it was just good to get on the same page. I, I care about Robert. I'm really sorry to hear that didn't work out. I did am, you reach like, out to Danielle after they broke up? I did not reach out to Danielle after they but broke you're up. Happy Lindsay, to did you reach have out to Danielle with after my they broke up? He reached out to me last week and I got together. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. As you can tell, I have the giggles right now, and I was just hoping that maybe if I start talking that I'll stop laughing, but I can I tell you guys, this has nothing to do with the episode. Um, hi, we're talking about Summer House. 
a Hamptons and Martha's Vineyard. But right now I just have the giggles because I just saw this post from Billy Lee of Vanderpump Rules and she reposted a picture from this famous LA bakery. It's called Sweet Lady Jane. Um, I believe they're the ones who do those like really ostentatious white, excuse me, um, birthday cakes for the Kardashians. Like if you've ever seen them, if you know, you know. Um, but they just posted, I guess, on their social media a cake and written on it was Sandoval's a liar. And she was very upset. Billy Lee and her response to this has just been cracking me up because honestly like I'm immature you you guys know that but she reposted this picture onto her Instagram and the caption is as follows y'all are a cake shop exclamation point like WTF exclamation point really what about a cake for mental health because these people are actual humans and make mistakes you're literally profiting off of people's suffering Heartbreak emoji, eye roll emoji. And I just like, what about a cake for mental health is what's sticking to me in my very immature brain. Cause like, girl, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And so I've just been giggling about that. But anyway, let's talk about Summer House. We're going to get into, God, I feel like we should probably, should we, I think we should just get Hamptons out of the way. And I'm just going to tell you guys. I didn't take notes for it, and I just decided right in this moment to just spitball my thoughts on it because, um, you know, there was a a good amount of things that happened. I obviously am not going to be talking about Corey and his love story with um, Sam. Don't care. Break up with him, girl. You can do so much better. It doesn't seem to be happening, but, <sighs> you know, you know. So if I'm not mistaken, we start off with Paige still keeping her energy for Lindsay, calling Lindsay and uh, Carl nuts and, you know, Lindsay being like, okay, well, I'd rather be nuts than boring. And then they start talking about what's going on with the wedding. They're going to be getting married in Mexico later this year. Andy asks, what's the deal with the invites? Is everybody on the stage invited? And, you know... Carl tries to keep it very diplomatic by being like, I was hoping that this reunion would be an opportunity for us to hash everything out with people. And so like the list hasn't been finalized yet and you know, we're going to figure it out. So after that, they go through the segment about Kyle and Carl's relationship and Kyle outing Carl's uh, addiction with regard to him showing up at work, coked out, forgetting his laptop. You know, we all heard it, right? Um, Carl makes a lot of really good points. I, I do feel like Kyle is appropriately disgusted with himself and I think like embarrassed by the whole situation um but I still don't think he totally got it until Carl like really you know brought it home what I do find slightly annoying is that I don't know that like now that Ariana and Sandoval have broken up it's very clear that Sandoval has been benefiting or had been benefiting over the course of their relationship 
of having Ariana as his representative, uh, translator, etc. And I see Amanda do that with Kyle in a way that I don't necessarily think that he needs. It's hard to tell, though, because she, like, kind of nips things in the bud before he even gets the opportunity to do that. Like, go over there and hug Carl. You know, apologize to Lindsay like she tells him to do later. And I don't know. I've personally, like, maybe I'm giving Kyle too much credit, but he was completely, completely out of pocket for what he did and said about Carl. But I also feel like... I've heard him be very eloquent and, um, uh, you know, like uh, contrite on his own without the help of Amanda. So I kind of like wish that she would maybe give him a little bit more credit. And also like, I said this before, their whole like mean mommy thing, I'm not into. And I really think like Amanda, they're at a point where this is like a dynamic that they think is cute like oh Kyle's so annoying and I'm always like wagging my finger and chastising him and telling him to do this that and the third but I'm telling you that is like not gonna be a cute dynamic forever you know not this isn't king of queens that's not real life and that's not how it works and it's gonna get real annoying and uh I think they need to yeah get that in line but anyway Kyle basically confirms what I suspected and had been saying that the lines between, with regard to like Carl's role within Loverboy had changed and he, Kyle and Carl never like had direct communication. Like Kyle was never Carl's boss. He was in a whole other department, right? And so because of that, I think what happened is like Carl was doing a lot of appearances and then he wasn't really in the office and then... Carl maybe or Kyle rather didn't know that and then the people who are like actually working at Loverboy trying to get shit done are like hey Kyle what's going on and Kyle's like oh I don't know because they just didn't like hammer out exactly what his role was because he's on the show and he's an asset to Loverboy as a celebrity basically right um but then I also appreciate Carl for saying Kyle gave me a lot of space and room to uh, talk about this and work things out before we headed into the summer. And I didn't take that. And that's really on me. Um, And then like Amanda and Lindsay have a back and forth about like whether she was really the puppet master behind the whole situation as Kyle was like screaming about for the first five episodes of the season. Right. And so Lindsay says, Hey, for the record, I was the one telling Carl, like, yeah, maybe I was in his ear, but I was telling him to talk to you directly and to communicate with you directly, repeatedly. So was I trying to run things? Maybe, but like... for your benefit. And so this is where Amanda says, hey, you need to apologize to Lindsay Kyle, and he eventually does. But yeah, then they get into the you know, the cocaine stuff and it gets very heavy and emotional and Carl, you can just see how ashamed he is. And he explains he's come so far and absolutely he did show up without his laptop on Coke. That's a fact. He used to be very messed up. 
And, you know, all of the people except for the new kids have seen him in a very dark place. And that's true. And also he respects Kyle for, um, you know, sticking with him beyond what most uh, employers would do. He he admits to all those things. Um, But the thing is, the great point that he brought up is that I've worked so hard and to bring that up is so painful because it's such a reminder of like the shame of my addiction. And Andy brings up a great point of like, he's got friends who are recovered addicts in whatever regard and how, you know, like the shame of what they've done is never going to be like, it's always going to be so much greater than any thing that they did to anybody, you know? And so you like, there's really no point in punishing them. They're always punishing themselves in some regard. And so it's just like a nasty thing to bring up. And then Carl really, Oh my God, you guys, like when he talks about his brother and how like, it seemed like unbeknownst to not only us, but like everybody on that stage that during season one, Carl would show up and do his interviews drunk. And in that he talked about his brother's heroin addiction and how it ruined their relationship. Like he's thinking, Oh, my brother's probably in a place of like, Oh my gosh, my brother's on TV. I can't wait to see him. And then he gets there on national television and talks to him about his addiction. And they stopped talking to each other. They never spoke again. They never had that time to reconcile before his brother died. That's so sad. And I don't think people really knew that. And I just really felt for Carl. Like he clearly just feels so (sighs) like embarrassed and he really has worked so hard and he's come so far and like shout out to Carl, like all respect to him for that. So then after that, they break for like lunch or whatever. And it's like a house divided. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to steal from uh, Brendan and Dan from Come Through Queen. Uh, they, they meaning uh, Rad House, are in one room, green room talking. And, you know, Carl's like keeping it cute, trying to stay a little bit hopeful. But um, uh, Lindsay is like, I'm over it. I'm not going to hear any barking from the left side of that couch, the other side of the couch. I'm just worried about... Um, the relationships that really, really matter. And that's like me and you and Kyle and Amanda and Danielle, the OG people. And I'm not going to worry about, I mean, let's be real Paige and Sierra. So, um, yeah, then, ugh, yikes. They start talking about like Paige and Craig, but it's still like same old, same old. What are we going to say? They're in a holding pattern. It's very clear. Um, you know. No updates on that, right? I mean, she says, I know deep down that that Craig wouldn't want to move to New York, that he wouldn't be happy in the long run. And so, like, you don't want to move to Charleston. You already cried about it. And you know he's not going to be happy here. So figure it out, girl. Let us know. You know, put it in a put it in an Instagram post when you figure it out. Then they switch to switch to uh, Maya and Oliver, and I thought it very interesting that they didn't mention. Oh, well, one thing I noticed that they didn't mention, if we're gonna have to talk about Corey, is the fact that there was in the preview a 
uh, who was saying, was it Lindsay accusing Sierra of texting Corey like a couple weeks before the reunion when she knew full well that Sam and Corey were together? Why did they not talk about that? Did Sierra really have a segment? <laughs> I feel like they just kind of forgot about her. Like maybe they were going to do three parts and then they're just like, eh, let's call it. And whatever was in part three, just, just forget it. But yeah, that seemed like a big allegation to just, especially if you're going to put it in a promo to not follow up on. Um, the other thing with Oliver and Maya, she tells us she found out that he had cheated on her with 11 other women as as far as she knew at that point um which is wild wild but why did we not discuss like why are you so protective of this show do you realize that you're on a reality show you met this guy on said reality show through another cast member of the reality show that you're on and so you can't really here's here's my thing is like if you're gonna be private don't be public and private at the same time. Like, don't be sneaking off into closets telling people to turn their mics off. If you don't want to talk about it, just wait 12 hours until you get back in the city before talking about it. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm finding myself a little bit frustrated with uh, Maya, but also like we didn't really get into it. Maya was kind of a non-factor as well. So then we get into the fact that shortly after, in the fall, Danielle and Robert broke up and how that whole thing happened. But Danielle maintains their relationship during the summer was actually fine, just like a normal relationship. They broke up because they were at a point where it was like, okay, uh, we either need to like figure things out. I need you to make more time for me, Robert. Robert didn't want to do that. He wanted to fly off to Aspen and keep doing his thug thing over in the kitchen. And so that's it. That was it. I mean, she's really acting like it really wasn't that deep. Then they get into like, Lindsay, Carl, did you reach out to Danielle after the breakup? Did you say anything to her? Seems like a no on both ends. So then something weird happens because Kyle pulls up in defense of Danielle. And he says, Carl and Lindsay, I have to call you guys out a little bit because both of you all said in your confessionals that uh, you think that Danielle was projecting and that whatever bad things you thought were happening with her relationship with Robert, she was putting onto your, you guys' relationship, right? So then he says, uh, I called Robert and because we were doing business with each other, which I saw he recently posted that um, Loverboy is going to be selling or going to be sold at Surf Lodge where he works. So that must have been what it was. But he says that because they were doing business together, he called Robert to ask him about the status of he and Danielle's relationship last summer. And he assured him that there was nothing out of the ordinary, nothing weird about it. Kyle's like, I didn't even see any red flags in the relationship. So I just wanted to com confirm with Robert. And he said the same. And then, <laughs> oh, by the way, and Gabby's looking at Kyle, like, why would you call him? <laughs> like, 
is anybody else hearing this? Why? It doesn't make sense. If you guys aren't friends with Robert, and you're really only communicating with him on a professional level, why you would be like, okay, well, we, I kind of know him, uh, but we are like trying to work on some business together, but I, that doesn't give you permission to ask him about his personal life. But anyway, um, then to make things even more strange, Lindsay and Carl say that Robert reached out to Carl. They went out to lunch and that Carl or that Robert rather said the same thing to him that they, their relationship was fine, had nothing to do. She wasn't projecting. Now, while I do think it's weird that Kyle felt like he had the uh, permission or whatever to ask about this, ultimately, the responsibility of this lies in Robert. And now we're hearing that he's spoken to two people, not Danielle, by the way. (laughs) And it doesn't seem like Danielle knew anything about uh, Robert and Carl having lunch with each other. She seems pretty pissed off about that. But yeah, What I find very odd is why is Robert not speaking to Danielle, but he is speaking to her friends and also co-workers, quiet as it's kept. And, but it's also like in defense of their relationship. I'm so confused. So at that point, Danielle, rather Lindsay explains to Danielle that the reason why she didn't reach out about the breakup with Robert, even though everybody else did, but Carl, um, was because she was confused. She didn't know if it had been confirmed that they had broken up. And then Danielle had spent some time in Aspen. And so she was like, oh, well, maybe she's there with Dan- uh, with Robert trying to work things out. So she just wasn't sure. Um, but... Then Danielle's like, okay, well, this kind of speaks to what I've been saying all summer about our relationship, how you've been treating me or how you've always treated me is that it's very one-sided because when Danielle says she's upset about it, two things happen. Carl says he's sorry, you know, like, you know, I just, I would have done things differently. Like, you know, I feel for you, whatever. And Lindsay's like, well, you could have come to me. Like, if you really needed me, then you should have said something. And so Danielle's response to this is, this is what I'm saying about our relationship or what I've been trying to say about our friendship, which is you operate in a sense where, like, you don't really care about me. And that's why you didn't reach out. And our dynamic is such that, like, I'm always there for you, but not vice versa. Um, So, yeah. So then we start hashing out this three amigos, but really Danielle versus Lindsay fiasco, right? So it starts with Andy asking, when do you think things all fell apart? And Danielle says, well, when I told Paige about, you know, my concerns about them moving too fast, right? So she says, you know, I understand that people want to expedite a relationship. Like, I totally get that. I'm with it. But my situation is like, you know... Yeah, like out of concern as your friend, it's totally normal that I feel like let's figure out our finances. Let's figure out the, you know, his sobriety before we move forward. The only thing that Danielle keeps, the only thing that Danielle says with regard to like her concerns that I think has any validity are the, uh, his sobriety. 
if he's saying he wanted to be sober for a year before he entered into a serious relationship and he doesn't do that, I think that is a completely valid and fair concern. But at what point, like, (laughs) I think the most you can do is just as a friend, put it out there and say, hey, this is what you've said previously. How are we feeling about this now? And whatever he says is what it is in terms of their finances girl like you know how much they make (laughs) you know so I think we both know that they're fine that's not really the issue um and so beyond that like it does seem like she wants to have a little bit more control over how quickly they move even though she's saying that she doesn't feel that way I think she might want to unpack that and let that soak in just a little bit more and then reevaluate. So Lindsay says that she understands what Danielle's saying now, but during the summer, that wasn't very clear to her. And so Danielle says, well, what was really the issue? Was it that I told you directly that I um, thought your relationship was moving too fast? Or was it that you heard through the grapevine through Paige, a girl that you don't fuck with, that I thought the relationship was moving too fast. Like, to me, I feel like if you had, even if it had come through a different messenger, had it come through, had you heard that through Sam or Gabby, somebody that you actually like, I don't think you would have been as pissed about it as it had it been Paige. But Dan, or Lindsay maintains, no, it was the fact that I heard it from anybody else at all. And then some lady what was her name? Jocelyn from Brooklyn. Shout out to you, girl, who asked the question of like, <laughs> Lindsay, were you actually mad that um, Danielle moved from the role of supportive best friend to having more like main character energy? And then she started talking to the ops. <laughs> Paige loses her mind at being referred to as the ops. And honestly, I did too. But did you notice Maya? Did Maya fall asleep? Was she awake at that point? Like, what? what is going on? After that, there seems to be confusion on Carl and Lindsay's part because they're not seeming to understand that the fact that Danielle was upset about being left out of the engagement was because a lot of other people knew and all basically all the men in the house because we found out that uh, Carl had also told Andrea and Chris <laughs> and probably Luke. I mean, Luke's a non-factor, but still, but it seems like they're not understanding. Cause Lindsay's like, yeah, that's a lot of people who knew and people flew in and he had to tell all those people and my parents and my other friends. And you know, yeah, that is a lot of people. And Andy's like, yeah, that's the point is that all those people knew except for Danielle. And then they keep saying, well, we just didn't want the girls to know. And they keep saying, okay, but you understand that it might be offensive to Danielle to keep referring to her as one of the girls when y'all had a very close and personal relationship with her. And they're like, yes, but we just didn't want the girls to know. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, we're not going to get anywhere with that. So let's just move on. But you know, to the larger point, Carl is correct when he says, 
I wasn't really thinking about you. To be honest, a lot of people get engaged without the girlfriend's best friend knowing and it's really not a big issue and she's perfectly happy for her friend and this isn't like a meltdown situation, which he's completely correct about. Like until this, I never even considered that... No, like, just tell me after you get engaged, bitch. Like, I don't care. Why would I, why would I care about that? Even as the best friend, like, I'm thinking of, except with the exception of maybe like one or two, all of my best friends told me, oh, I got engaged. Like their partners, for the most part, didn't tell me. And I never, (laughs) ever would have like, it would never even have occurred to me to be upset about that. What I think is ultimately being missed by Danielle, however, is that she doesn't understand that, like, miscommunication or not on Lindsay's end, and because it's Lindsay, it's also Carl, um, they were already not fucking with her, like, a long, long, long time ago, and she didn't get it. And so she's thinking, I'm a friend being left out of this engagement intentionally as punishment for having a feeling or stating my concern directly or to Paige. And they're just like, the timelines really aren't still matching up for me. And then Lindsay says, basically, I don't have any regrets about what I said during our last conversation because I was hurt. I was coming from a place of hurt and that's that. Sorry about it. Sierra tends to get very activated at this point and is like, I don't give a fuck about you, Lindsay, but I do care about Danielle and I just can't believe that you would treat your best friend like this when you guys used to have such a relationship. Like, that's really fucked up. So Andy breaks it down in a way that I felt like everybody felt very differently about this. I think it was just like me and Gibbs and Jobs were like, thinking that this was a positive thing. I felt like everybody else was thinking, Andy doesn't watch a show. He doesn't understand the dynamics, but I thought he got it completely, which is that basically they just were not on the same page. Danielle lost her mind several times. They just like, there was a miscommunication. They, they weren't hearing each other, seeing each other. Ultimately, you guys are two people that really love each other and have this long-standing, deep friendship, and you were both acting out of hurt. And I think that's right. I think my breakdown, my summation of their whole situation is that we know, and I'm not saying this is shade to Lindsay, we know what she wanted. We know she wanted a relationship. She wanted to be in a serious relationship. She was going to make that happen with whoever was going to fit into that role. And here comes Carl, for better or for worse. And, you know, she's very protective of that. Any sort of outside opinion she doesn't want to hear, which is fair and completely within her right. She feels betrayed by Danielle, who uh, was talking to people that she doesn't like. I think Lindsay didn't want to admit to that, but I think there is truth to that. And I also think that's not unfair for Lindsay to feel. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't fuck with her. Like, yeah, I don't like that you told anybody at all, but I also don't like that you told people that I don't fuck with. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, but um, then, 
you know, I just think that things just spiraled out from there. Danielle was not communicating correctly. Lindsay was hurt. Lindsay is a very by-the-book person, and that was it. Danielle thought they had a relationship weeks, maybe even months longer than they continued to have. And by the time she figured it out, Lindsay had been checked out and... There we are, screaming to a pillow is somewhere in there, and you know here we are today. Um, but it seems like they both agreed on how things went according to Andy, and hopefully they move forward from that. There was at the end. I don't know why this was in the credits. Probably because Bravo's like, please let's just get over Summer House, but there was a picture of, the, I guess they had sent Andy, where I guess Lindsay and uh, Danielle had gone to dinner. I guess it's recently. So, yeah. And then there was like a little preview for Winter House where Amanda gets beamed in the face, Marsha Brady style with the football. So, looking forward to that. And uh, let's talk about the stars of the show, Martha's Vineyard. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And I, I don't mean to put you in a hot seat. Yeah. Right? So what's, what's your vision? Where do you see Bria in your vision? So I love her. I want to be with her. She but make me on cry. the other hand, I'm oh, contemplating about involving her in a way like she involves me. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. It make me cry. Stop yeah. it. There's nothing weak about, you know, being a, a union. Yeah. Saying, hey, look, this is my person. We're going to do this thing together. We're going to work through it. It's two individuals trying their best to make it work. There's no playbook. There's no rule book. But it can also be very isolating in a group as wonderful as this. So Much like Silas finds it as a strength, I'm struggling. It's not as easy for me. All right, y'all. Let's get into Martha's Vineyard. We're at the halfway point. I think we... I think this marks like we're now in the second half of the season, which I'm bummed about, but we'll have to move on and enjoy what we've got left. Day seven of 15, Bria screaming from her bedroom, you're controlling, controller Silas, who has now taken the stance of Bria is insulting my wife instead of her screaming directly at him about how controlling he is. And how everybody in the house thinks that he is controlling. I guess we're just going to slide any um, um, 
responsibility off of ourselves and just be like, she's insulting my wife by saying that I'm controlling because by that, therefore, carry the two, she is saying that like Jasmine doesn't, can't handle herself, which is an insult to my wife and not anything about me. <laughs> Poor Preston is sulking around in his toga. Like, I just wanted to have a good night. Every night, the house turns into like a fucking house battle royale. They're both right, though. Silas is controlling, and Bria is manipulative. Silas, manipulative. Okay? It's really been kicking your ass, that word. But anyway, Jasmine keeps screaming, Stay in your room! Stay in your room! at Bria and Bria says in a confessional, I'm sick of Silas. I'm sick of, you know, like this controlling thing. He's trying to control me, my man, my dog. I'm over it. Nick does know one thing about women, you know, and that is bring me food. Okay. She's been screaming all night or at least for the past 30 seconds. She didn't get to eat her dinner. Let's bring her a plate. So he and Amir go up there. He's like, listen, I got your protein, uh, your starches, your your vegetables. I got your water and a ginger ale in case you need to settle your stomach. Okay. I hope you're fine. <laughs> Thank you. That is one of the smartest things I've ever seen a man do on television. Not even kidding. Not even kidding. So then Bria goes to FaceTime Simon and she's like, hey, babe, uh, just letting you know that I got into it with everybody and uh, I'm not playing. Look, look, here's I'm going to flip the camera over and you're going to see all my suitcases on the floor, all my shit. Here's Milo having to trying to sit somewhere between my ball gowns and my uh, embellished jackets. And, you know, Simon, you know how when people test me, you know how I get I'm like the Tasmanian devil to the 10th power. And then she houses one of the largest bites of mac and cheese I've ever seen in my life. Probably about the size of her size of her head. God bless her. God bless her. So then Priya's like, okay, so what? You get to spend three days here and then the rest of the time I get to listen to you get your back blown out, Jasmine? Like, you get to bust your nut. I want to bust my nut. And then you're mad because I have my dog here. Like, what? You want me to fuck my dog? I, I can't do that. <laughs> I I love her mind. Okay, and I know that people are divided on Bria, and I say, you guys are watching this show all wrong. Lean into the chaos. Don't get down by all these house votes. They're stupid, and they're such a waste of time. But why aren't we giggling at that? That shit's funny to me, because it's not happening to me. Like, there are a lot of things that I see on TV that are exhaustive to have to witness. This is not one of them. Personally, I'm having a lot of fun, and I wish that the haters and the losers <laughs> who were saying bad things about how exhaustive this behavior is would get over it, because it's actually very funny, and it's never going to happen again. So, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle, you enjoy it. Because if you hear me say the words that I'm about to say, which is there's a woman screaming with her long-haired dachshund at her feet at her German boyfriend on FaceTime, mac and cheese flying out of her mouth, screaming about how this guy, bald guy in a toga, is too controlling over the wife and all the uh, rest of the housemates. And, you know, <laughs> how am I not, how are you not enjoying this, you guys? 
Get real. Get real. Anyway, um, so Jason is downstairs. He is being light-skinned and confused. Like, I just got here. It's my only my third day out here. I don't know. This is all everybody's been talking about. I'm over it. I thought we were going to have a good time. Jasmine says, here, you guys, my goal was just to have a quick house meeting about the specific length that a guest should be allowed to stay, which I believe should be a maximum of three. And it's not just about Simon specifically. This is a house vote. Just put it to paper at this point. Let's let's just drop uh, the Cooper's Guide to Martha's Vineyard. You know, all these bullshit rules and why was somebody taking minutes? Why don't we have somebody take minutes that way we can get all the votes on record? Cause we're whipping through a lot of them. Jasmine and Silas, both of y'all the way, cause now I'm thinking like, God, and this is why it's funny. They've, they strategized how this was going to go before they got into this house real bad. And they're like, yeah, here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to do voting. We're going to do raise your hand if. I'm going to bring this novelty football. We're going to do whoever holds the football where it gets to speak. And um, it's going to be a lot of speeches about black excellence and tradition. And, uh, you know, she's running this shit like, like my friends tell me like birthright is. Like you're inviting your friends, but there's like a lot of pushing towards uh, courtships and relationships that Jasmine's doing on the low. And it just feels, it just feels like what I've heard. Like this honestly is a birthright trip. Like nobody's having actual fun. (laughs) We were promised here a free trip and every day it's a lesson and some lady pushing marriage down my throat. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, we get like a history lesson and that's really cool to like, you know, be, be where we are. And we were and see all all the history and stuff. But it's like, you know, at, at some point, what's going on here? Amir and Preston want to die at this point. They're like, please, can we just take shots and have fun? No, no, we can't. Silas makes everybody raise their hands. Can we agree to a three day maximum? And it's just like, you know, reluctantly, like make, think of like the slowest one handed wave from about six people like yeah I guess (laughs) I'm going to agree to this because I want to keep it pushing basically I don't think people were really that passionate about it Summer who again like Jason just got there is kind of like I don't even feel like I should have a vote I I don't really I kind of feel like if Bria is gonna make Bria happy by having Simon stay here then like what do I care (laughs) I don't know (laughs) Jason says in a confessional, I feel like I'm a survivor. Like, damn, we're supposed to be on vacation and now we're over here voting? What's happening? Preston, very confused. Can we just drink and have a good time? Like, is this how straight people usually are? Like, damn, y'all are wild. And the answer to that, Preston, unfortunately, yeah. Sometimes, this is a brand of heterosexuality for sure. I try to steer away from it, but it does happen. It does happen, unfortunately. Bria's managed to cool down in her bed, and she tells Simon, you know what, you always know how to bring me down to earth, you and that 10-inch dick, and so I'm not going to let this get the best of me, and I'm going to stick it out and stay. Everybody goes into the hot tub, 
And at first, I'm thinking Amir is leaning over to Summer for, like, a kiss. And I'm thinking, damn, chill. Oh, we got to talk about Amir, by the way. Another one. Another one. Amir, 10 years ago, we, I guess, to put it into context, to tell the whole story, Amir would have been 16, 17, between the ages of 15 and 17 at this point. Um, and there were several tweets of his that were very anti-dark-skinned women, anti-black women, um, I prefer yellow bones or Latin women, you know, just like very dumb, dumb anti-black shit. So I don't know if he's addressed this at this point, not that I'm aware of, um, but yeah, he did say that, ugh. So anyway, what Amir is actually doing to Summer is looking down at her phone. And he's like, damn, every time I look at your phone, you got a different dude from your roster that you're texting. And she's like, no, I'm single. If you guys want to ask me any questions, go ahead. So Amir's question is, who is your initial interest in the house? And she's like, you. And he goes, oh, I, I didn't expect that answer. I did not. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Everyone goes to bed, except for the Coopers, which means that nobody goes to bed, because we already know what time it is. Preston says in a confessional, girl, cover that mouth. (laughs) Poor Amir has a room adjacent to them, so he actually goes to the couch to sleep for the night. The scene is both, compared to what we've seen of, of the Coopers after dark, uh, more and less uh, provocative and blurred out because the pixels are larger, but you can tell by the um, the the vertical that's happening and the movement that Jasmine is. Um, how do you say? Uh, a big fan of continuing the yeehaw agenda. Shall we say that? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? So anyway, in the morning, Jason tells Silas that he woke up with a headache. And in a confessional, he's like, what is going on in here? I've got real drama. And that's when we find out that Jason has a baby. She's, I think, a girl. Well, I don't, she is, he's got a baby. The child is three months old. He co-parents. They were trying to make it work. Didn't work. And so, like, he's out here being a single uh, mom who works two jobs, who loves his kid, never stops. So... More on that later. <clears throat> Nick then goes into Bria's room to check on her. Excuse me for coughing, by the way. Uh, and she's like, you know, I just feel like we're all going in circles. Me, Silas, Jasmine. Why do we keep going back and forth with this? I don't get why these people are trying to play me for a fool and act like they don't know what they're talking about and basically like renege on their promise. Simon's supposed to come into the house tomorrow at this point. Bria says it's frustrating because nobody even knows that he's planning this big extravagant dinner for everybody and that really he just wants everybody to be happy. Okay, girl. I mean, she does say that, um, because she and Amir were on Watch What Happens Live, that he knew, like, she had... He had been privy to what was going on with the house, clearly. I mean, we saw it on the show. Um, So... You know, was this a little bit of damage control? Possibly. 
Nick is the one who breaks it to Bria that everybody in the house has agreed on a three-night maximum. And Bria's like, all right, bet. Like, she's not being mean or anything. Just, okay, if he has to leave, we'll leave together. But Nick's like, no, no, no. Like, what about me and Amir? We love you. We'll both be sad if you go early. And, you know, what if my girl's coming? I want you to meet her. And Bria's like, oh, is she coming? And he's like, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, possibly, sure. That is a that is a possibility. Anything's possible. And so, yes, by that virtue, yes, she will be there. Jasmine then goes into Jordan's room and she's like, oh, isn't today your one-year anniversary? So we find out through Jordan in a confessional that it is the one-year anniversary of her being celibate, but it's not like she's about to bust it open immediately. But she has accomplished her goal. So Jordan says that she's going to invite the girls and Preston to a one-year anniversary of my celibacy brunch. Thank you very much. And then Summer announces that later they're going to be having like a Jamaican-themed night. And we find out she is biracial. Her dad's like Irish, Catholic, whatever, but he's never been in her life. She always was raised by her Jamaican side. And so she wants to show the house culture. You know the drill. So at this point, Jasmine really starts to irk me again by acting like she's the one being the bigger person by not engaging with Bria, even though really it's her fault that she agreed to let Simon stay for a week and then backed out on it. But then she's like, you know, Simon will be even lucky if I even acknowledge him. Okay. Uh, Goodness, Jasmine, do you want to take a vote on whether or not we should greet the guests who arrive at the house? And, and in what time frame? You want to take a second vote on that? A girl, okay. I need to her to just say, I don't like Bria, so that we can all move on. You know? So after that, the ladies and Preston go to the celibacy brunch, and Preston is just so happy. I love his relationship with Jordan. Like, he really goes up for her, and I, I just like to see their fun. I would like to see more. We're not getting enough Preston. We're not getting enough of Jordan and Preston's relationship. Um, And, yeah, I guess that's my only critique at, at this point. <laughs> but Jordan explains that a year ago, she found herself in a situation with a dude she was friends with. She thought that he had recently broken up with his relationship. Turns out he hadn't. It really fucked her up because she's thinking, oh, I'm about to be out here with this dude. Fun, flirty, five floxy and free. And it just wasn't really working that way. So she decided, you know what? Next time somebody gets to come to the Crystal Cave... It's going to be a real one and a dude that I'm in a relationship with. So now she's at the point that she's gotten to the one year marker. She's like, Meh, I don't know if I need to like hold on to that rule so much. I might, you know, entertain a gentleman or two now that I've, you know, gotten to the finish line with this one year anniversary. Right. Of course, here comes old matrimony Cooper saying, you know, as much as I want this for you, I'm rooting for you to be excited about somebody. And <laughs> she's trying to laugh. Everybody's just like, girl, please eat your lobster, Benedict, and keep it pushing. So Jordan says, I'm just really not checking for anybody like that. And I'm really not at the point where I'm wanting to call somebody every night, check in on them. And until somebody gets me excited, I'm just not going to leave my comfort zone. 
And so Jasmine says, in this moment, I want Jordan to be happy, but as we're sitting here celebrating this one year of celibacy, what are you looking for? What's changed? I want to have a real conversation about it because I have her best interest at heart. No, you don't. (laughs) I mean, maybe you do, but you're going about it so weird, girl. So then Jasmine asks Summer about her relationship situation. And she says she was kind of in a similar thing as Jordan. This was like a friend. They had recently broken up. But then she starts to get emotional and says, you know, like, we loved each other. It worked perfectly, but he had his own shit to work through. And I tried for a while, but ultimately I was like, I can't pour into or show up for somebody more than I even show up for myself. Right. So Summer says she loves deeply and she now that she's come out of that relationship wants to be a little bit more lighthearted, jumping back in the dating pool like. I want to twerk on Arthur a little bit later and feel nothing about it. You know, feel no ways. And you know what? I felt bad about calling Nick Arthur. Because I feel like he probably gets called that a lot. So I got to keep, get my licks in just when it it is necessary. And he already built up a lot of credit with bringing the mac and cheese and stuff and the ginger ale to Bria's room. So I take that back until he fucks up again. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jordan does tell Summer, I am kind of peeping that there might be some interest between you and Alex, though, by the way. So when they get back to the house, Summer goes to, like, check in on Alex, and they're having this whole woo-woo moment with each other because Alex tells her uh, he's just now coming into the notion that he's a poet. Okay, well, me too, bitch. And then he's just like, you know, I'm out here to wander and they bond over meditating and being in your highest vibration and all that stuff. God bless. Alex has finally got somebody to talk to. Great. Um, They also are like, we, I find the most out of doing nothing. Also, me. Me also as well. (laughs) And then when everybody goes down, they have their Jamaican dinner. Amir and Jasmine can't take the spice, so Amir goes to get some milk for them to calm their tongue. And then they decide to play Truth or Drink as a house. Nick is dared to jump in the pool. Of course, he's like, I can't. Do you know how expensive these shoes are? I'm wearing Ralph Lauren purple label from head to toe. Not happening. And then... Summer gets dared to twerk on somebody. She goes around like Duck Duck Goose and 
pops that little booty on a uh, Nick and I mean, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. I peeped that Alex was a little bit jealous. He's like, you know, I think she really wanted to be uh, doing it with me, but you know, he didn't really have a reason as to why she didn't, but okay. And suddenly Nick is up and stuck. I've never seen him more animated and more ready. So after she gets done with her twerk sessions, he's like, all right, I'll jump in the pool. No problem. what I say? Fuck the purple label. I'll take these overs off. No problem. No problem. <laughs> so then everybody's waiting for Nick to get changed after he jumps in the pool. Milo's trying to hump Jason's arm. And then poor Milo gets his own talking head. And, you know, as somebody who works with animals, I speak dog enough to know. Free Milo, okay? It's Jamaican night. He was trying to duddy wine with everybody else and we had to act like it was something nasty. He was just going in theme. He, he His body can only do so much. So maybe it seemed a little bit horny. But he was having fun. Okay? After that, Amir gets dared to do a striptease for Jordan and he goes full like pretty Ricky grind with me. I know that Amir used to watch those videos. If y'all didn't watch have to be exposed to this when it happened consider yourselves lucky but years ago pretty ricky's song grind with me got real popular and these little boys i'm talking like teenagers to like grown-ass men would go around recording themselves singularly sometimes in groups of two or more and show off their humping skills on the hardwood floor, their, somebody's mama's hardwood floor, on um, somebody's mama's couch that she got, uh, somebody's mama's bed that she got from Mattress Firm. Just, what are we doing in an attempt to be sexy? And I think it worked. And I think Amir used to watch those videos and be like, that's it. Because I saw some things. It wasn't bad. Not complaining. But it was giving that. Preston then gets dared to kiss Bria. And she's like, where? (laughs) Where are you going to kiss me? And then he, you know, he gives a little something on the neck. And she's like, ooh, she was into that. She really liked that. And then um, Summer gets dared to kiss Alex. But she says, I'm actually going to throw it in his court. He says, no, no. I consent. Not uncomfortable about this one. We're not we're not doing boundaries like I did with Shanice. And uh so they get it like uh, it was a cute peck. It was a peck plus. A peck plus, I would say. So then Alex dares the Coopers to recreate the sex noises that we have to hear and are sub- subjected to every night. And uh Silas gets very nervous, very shy and bashful. Bash bashful bashful (laughs) and jasmine like it kind of participates but she's she's playing she's playing clearly we all know what you actually sound like jasmine and that wasn't it but everybody goes to bed and silas says in a confessional like i had no idea the walls were so thin you know i really feel some type of way about other men hearing my girl moaning so then they go to bed and they're gonna you know have cooper after dark But then he tells her, 
He tells Jasmine, you got to be quiet. Like, you can't make any noise, whatever. So they're, like, trying to get it in. And he goes, I can't do this. You know, it like, you not making any noise, instant turn off. Instant turn off. What? Imagine a man who is just inside you, like, two seconds ago, telling you that the thing that he told you to do is an instant turn off. I can't have sex if you're not moaning. Grow up. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. If anything, make it like a fun, sexy thing and be like, ooh, we have to be quiet or whatever. Like, make it fun, dummy. You don't tell her what to do and then tell her that the thing you told her to do is an instant turn off. Jail. Jasmine is like, are you delusional? Good night. <laughs> Which was much nicer than I would have said to him. <laughs> make it very clear. So the next morning, Simon is on his way, officially. Here he comes. The Coopers have decided, we need to get to know Simon, but like, if we want any sort of legitimacy in the house, this is according to Silas, we need to enforce our three-day rule. Nobody gives a shit. We need to, if we have any, want to have any sort of legitimacy, we're, summer should be fun. <laughs> Never in my life have I been on a group trip and considered the legitimacy of like, of of what? Have a pina colada. Take a dip in the pool. Go smoke a J. Why don't you go do some more push-ups? Chill out. <laughs> and I know it sounds like I'm complaining and I'm miserable, but I'm, I'm still enjoying because this is so stupid. Stupid. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Ugh. Anyway, Bria goes off by herself to get supplies for the dinner. And uh, Silas and Preston go shopping with the ladies. The rest of the guys go out for lunch. So we see the guys at lunch and they're asking Jason, like, what's his deal? Are you interested in dating? And he tells them, I, I got a three month old. I got to approach things real different. But I'm open, you know, like, I'm fine. I, I just, you know, I'm thinking about things a little bit differently than the rest of you gentlemen. So then they ask Amir how things are going with his pursuit of Jordan. And he says, honestly, I personally don't feel like she's returning or reciprocating any of these feelings in the way that I would like for that to happen. So he says in a confessional, like, I like courtship. I like stating my intentions. I like putting it all out on the table but I just feel like Jordan's not picking up what I'm putting down and and bringing it back to me so then we go over with the ladies for whatever reason they're shopping in the baby section so Jasmine and Jordan start talking about like what her thoughts are Jordan on Amir and Jordan's like I'm telling you right now it's a dub no I'm good so Jasmine says listen it's not about a mirror. It's about my friend having what she wants. To which Jordan says, what do I want? <laughs> what, do you, what do I want, Jasmine? And Jasmine's like, well, you want a life partner. And Jordan says, of course. I just don't think he's like here on Martha's Vineyard. So Jasmine says, I just, I want that for you. And Jordan says, I know. I think you might want it more than I do though. And I just kind of feel like, 
you might be saying that it's bad that I'm single. And Jasmine says, well, but I just don't want you to be alone. And Jordan says, but I don't think being alone is that bad. There's this idea that like, oh, we're turning 30. We're going to die alone. But like, I'm okay sitting on my couch and doing what I have to do. Why is that not enough for you? And so then Jasmine says, as your friend, it's, it's hard to speak my piece without you thinking I'm judging you because I don't want to do that at all. And Jordan says, I don't feel judged. I actually just feel like I'm not even being considered in what is applying in my life. I, I don't think it's a judgment. I think you might be projecting a little bit. Hello. So Jordan says in a confessional, Jasmine needs to be focused on her marriage and how she operates. But she's kind of like a nosy mom, like, where's your husband? Where's your kids? But like, I'm okay. So back at the house, Alex is cutting Amir's hair. I think we got out of that haircut without any tears about uh, connecting to blackness, it seems. But um, Alex, I don't know. He, we, They tried to give him a moment. I... Listen, I'm sorry that your parents lost their job and and that you had to learn to cut your hair and that was like a marker of independence for you. Okay. Um, we we got more to talk about. So anyway, Preston goes upstairs to check in with Jordan and she's telling him like what happened in this conversation with Jasmine and how it just feels like Jasmine's acting like her life doesn't mean as much because she doesn't have a partner. And she's like, I just feel like she's devaluing all that I've done and accomplished. Now, meanwhile, Jasmine is telling her husband and Summer her side of the story. And she's like, well, I just feel like Jasmine Jordan felt othered for not being married. And, and I'm concerned. And, it, you know, it's just so awkward because... I'm the married one and everything that comes out of my mouth, I think is perceived as judgment. Now let's just go back to what you said, Jasmine. Okay. You asked her how she felt about one guy in the house. She said, I'm not really that interested. And then in that you're like, well, I know what you really want. You really want a life partner. And Jordan says, but I'm good. And I kind of feel like you want me to have a life partner more than I want to, or feel like I need to at this point. I'm not really, I don't really care. I'm good. And your response to that is, and also it, you're giving off, she's telling you, you're giving off the impression that you think that it's bad for me to be single. And in that, in the moment you should have said, no, I don't. But what, what you responded to her is, I just don't want you to be alone, <laughs> which means you do kind of feel like it's bad for her to be single. So then to go and be like, well, I just feel like because I'm married <laughs> that, that people just like think that everything that I say is perceived as a judgment. And it's like, was you're judging people. You're not indicating, not that we see on the TV that you feel otherwise. You... Came into this house asking Bria if she's interested in anybody else in the house twice. Despite the fact that Bria had to tell you twice she's got a man. And your response to that is pish posh on that. I've seen her with a plethora of dudes. We probably won't hear from her about Simon after all. So you didn't really care about the person who explicitly told you I have a boyfriend 
and we live together. <laughs> and you're looking and telling your actual best friend, I just don't want you to be alone when she told you, I'm fine being single. I don't need to hook up with Amir or anybody in the house just because you, whatever. So at this point, we got to look inward. We got to look inward. If you're feeling like everybody feels this particular way about you, maybe you need to unpack that, you know? So anyway, after that, Simon pulls up in a, a car. I think it was a Porsche. Don't feel the need to correct me. It was red and sporty. Good for him. We're flashing a lot of cash, okay? He's pulling up with a, a bottle of the Class A Azul Gold, which Giselle Bryant, if you want to know, is about twice as much as that uh, white bottle that you were terrorizing Pepsi and all of Thailand about on the Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. But anyway, um, man didn't that uh we need to keep up with our legitimacy we need to stick to our rules went right out the window and right into the shot glass as soon as silas saw that beautiful bottle of tequila oh he's simon i just want to say on behalf of the house we all appreciate you and we all appreciate this bottle he's yelling and hooping and hollering in celebration he's giving simon knuckles oh it's oh it's a party it's a party it's a party he's i mean pff, we know silas's love language is, is gifts isn't it <laughs> and then if that weren't enough everybody goes up to this restaurant to meet up with simon and bria for the dinner simon says i've got things for all of you guys bria says jasmine silas these two bags are for you. I hadn't gotten you guys a wedding gift yet. So everybody else, if you want to open up. And here we go. Oprah's favorite things. Everybody, you get to watch. You get to watch. You get to watch. Everybody gets a Philip Pine $800 watch. Except for you two, the Coopers, who get $1,200 Versace ones. Oh, my God. Jason, Simon. As soon as I looked down on this watch, I thought, that's a good man. <laughs> Silas says in a confessional, I think this is a wonderful peace offering. Like, no joke. These watches are fly. And I appreciate the effort. So I want Simon to stay. And I just hope that he can be a compliment to what we have going on in the house. So, oh, by legitimacy, I got this Versace watch. Thank you. It's for Sace. <laughs> the Coopers unbeknownst they hit a lick they don't even know it they don't even know it they don't even know it bria says in a confessional gotcha gotcha i don't think anybody's worried about how long simon's gonna stay now are they especially after these watches clink clink well silas then decides to bore the fuck out of everybody by talking about like uh, asking first asking as the father of the house um simon not to put you on the spot but uh what are your intentions with our Bria? <laughs> you don't even like, y'all were screaming at each other, not even 24 hours. But anyway, um, what are your intentions with my, my sweet best friend? Ooh, I keep staring at this watch. What are your intentions with her? Simon, Simon says something about like, I don't know. Uh, we have a future together. I love her. I want to be in her life. Okay. Aw, sweet. Love it. So then 
the episode ends with Silas saying, you know, there's nothing weak about being in a union. And, you know, saying, this is my person. We're going to do this thing together and work through it. You know, it's two individuals trying their best to make it work. There's no playbook. There's no rule book. I'm like, bitch, we know. Silas, (laughs) you are not the first people to get married. So then Jasmine, uh, record scratch, cuts in and says, but it can also be very isolating. And a group, as, as wonderful as this is, much like Silas finds it a strength, I'm struggling. She's not as easy for me. And then she starts tearing up and everybody's like, what's going on? So um, how the, how's the teamwork going for you, Silas? Good? Because your wife's crying about how hard marriage is. So more on that later. More on that next week, you guys. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Please and thank you in advance. If you want to check out my Patreon, check me out at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. I'm talking uh, Natalia Grace and that wild and wacky documentary. So check that out. Um, Links are to my socials and to the Patreon in every episode description. So that is a fun Click fast and easy button to my link tree that'll show you everything that you want. And uh, we'll be back next week. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Congratulations. We're done with Summer House Hamptons. We did it. We did it, Joe.